Hello, and welcome back once again to Dead by Danny. Okay, Dead by Danny is the only podcast on the entire goddamn internet. The entirety of the goddamn internet. Where your humble host reviews, watches, and reviews Evil Dead 2 every single day for 30 days. It's the only one on the internet. And uh, we're rounding, rounding the corner of the end, I might add. I, I, I never expected to actually be here, you know? I never expected we'd actually get this close. Because, what is this, episode 23? And, uh, yeah, that means there's only seven episodes left of this bad boy. I only really have two episodes that I can think of currently that I know what the topics are going to be. Maybe another episode if I can get a guest on the podcast. But after that, I'm just going to go back to winging it. You know, (laughs) turning on the mic and spouting what I thought. Which is getting significantly harder and harder to do. Because as most people probably know, when you watch a movie every single day, uh, it starts to wear thin. And you, you start to lose a little bit of enthusiasm about the movie. Uh, even even if it's a movie you love or even anything. Like if you listen to a song too many times, you start to get annoyed by it. And you start to want to do something else, anything else, literally. Which is why today, I not only watched Evil Dead 2 on VHS on my Daewoo Silver Cube television thing from the 90s. I also just finished reading part 3 or the third miniseries of the Evil Dead 2 sequel comics that are a spin-off of Evil Dead 2 even though they take their place directly afterwards and focus on Annie Nobi and a cloned version of Ash from his uh, possessed severed hand. Yeah, if you uh, <laughs> if you uh, didn't listen to the last couple episodes, you'd probably be a little bit lost. But ultimately, um, there was this uh, series of Evil Dead 2 based comics based off Evil Dead 2, the very thing this podcast is based on. And those comics were produced by Space Goat Publishing, a company that literally only lasted for like two years. And uh, it went under, and they stole a bunch of money from Kickstarter. And there's a whole backstory to that I'm not really going to get into. But ultimately, over the course of the past couple episodes, I've been reviewing their three mini, their three sequel miniseries to Evil Dead 2. And those uh, sequels, starting with Beyond Dead by Dawn, uh, then going to, I think it was Cradle of the Damned, and now to Dark Ones Rising are all connected in and of itself. I think of each miniseries as like an episode in a grander miniseries. You know what I mean? Because they are relatively quick reads and they are relatively short and almost feel like an episode of a television show rather than a movie, you know? Like they're not massive scale. Uh, Well, even this one's not even that massive scale when you think about it. But... uh. 
They all lead into one another directly. You kind of have to read the previous miniseries before you start reading the new ones because you really won't understand anything. And this is the final chapter in the Evil Dead 2 sequel series comic book things. This isn't the final episode where I'll be talking about Evil Dead 2 comics. So don't you worry, there'll be more comic book content to come. But this is the final in the continual, continuing story of uh, Annie Noby and... Uh, fuck, this word is always troubling for me. Simulacrum. Simulacrum. Where does that even come from? I hate that word. It's such a stupid fucking word. They could have picked any goddamn word, but they picked that word. They were like, yup, simulacrum. That's what the people want to say. But yeah, Dark One's Rising. Uh, it directly follows uh, Cradle of the Damned, which uh, essentially uh, Annie and Ash go to the Mirror Dimension which is the origin of all deadites and uh, sacrifices her soul and Ash sacrifices his uh, life and body to get Annie out of the mirror dimension and ultimately trap all of the evil deadite souls things within the mirror dimension, leaving the earth to be uh, free of the evil dead, right? At the cost of Ash or clone Ash's life. And I did really enjoy the last series. I did really enjoy Crit of the Damned. It was the same creative team as the first series. And uh, instead of being inside of Annie's uh, point of view, we were inside of Ash's point of view, and it was a lot more emotional, and it explored the relationship that Annie and Ash had built up. And... Uh, I And... Uh, I guess before I get into any story-related things about Dark Ones Rising, I'll, I'll talk about the creative team and I'll talk about a l many things that I noticed uh, while reading this, you know? Um, for one, uh, Frank Hanna returns as the writer. It's the same writer, uh, but the art the artist changed to Raul Valdez. Uh, for what reason? Uh, my theory is that he was he came cheaper than uh, the previous artist, and you can kind of tell that within the art. Um, same same team on the on the inks and the colors, uh, Chris Summers and Carlos Eduardo, and the covers of these are all based on famous uh, old horror movies like Friday the Thirteenth, King Kong, Halloween, and they look really 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 cool. Uh, the the covers look really cool. I really love. The like parody posters, especially the Friday the Thirteenth one, uh, with Annie in front of the cabin and Cthulhu's in the background, and she's holding the Necronomicon. It looks really dope. I also really love the King Kong one. That one is really really cool looking. Um, if I could, if I were able to, you know, purchase these posters, purchase these covers as posters, I probably would. And I think there's nothing really stopping me, considering Space Goat Publishing is. Uh, kaput, you know, but uh, another thing I noticed is that these are obviously digital comics, these are obviously uh, drawn and published in a digital medium, and there's a lot of artifacts, um, especially on the covers and the, and the inside covers and some of the pages. Text boxes have weird outlines, there's like a lot of Photoshop 
errors that would be done by um, someone who's either photoshopping something quickly or not particularly proficient in Photoshop. Uh, even that, that Friday the 13th cover, I'm looking at it right now. There's a shit ton of errors all over this front page. And they're, it, it, it's weird to see this, especially because I know that after this comic was released, uh, they essentially ran away with a bunch of money. And I assume what started happening is that they started getting really cheap with a lot of the stuff they were doing and, and taking the easy road out and maybe firing a lot of people on the inside. So it, it is kind of upsetting that the, the, the literal quality of the, the comic book is going down, including in sadly, including the art in this, uh, in this book, because, um, I don't remember the, the name of the artist from the first couple of series. He wasn't the best artist in the world. It was, it was just conventional comic book art and it looked really clean. And, and, uh, I, I don't know. It was appealing to the eye, even though sometimes the colors were a little iffy. Um, in this, however, uh, the art quality is significantly worse than the first two series. It's not, I mean, it's not so bad that it's bad, awful and hard to look at, but it, it's significantly more amateurish. There's a lot of digital effects that like post-processing effects that you would do, uh, within Photoshop and, and the colors look ridiculous on the far simpler, far less detailed art style, but the coloring techniques, that weird, smooth digital gradient coloring that I, I mentioned didn't look good in the previous ones looks even worse on this more simple art style. The characters uh, barely have identifiable faces and Annie in this gets so incredibly thin and, and her boobs become so incredibly massive that it, it's it's like almost a parody of like 90s comic book body proportions. But now that I got my criticisms of the art and the quality of the production of these comics out of the way. Uh, what what about the story? Is the story any good? Um, is the, Does it do the first two series justice? What is it about? What goes on? And I'd say I enjoyed this one. It starts off a couple weeks after the events of the last series. Annie is in the factory of their, their cat food factory. And she's been very depressed because all she can think about is Ash and how she misses him and all this stuff because, you know, they, they were clearly very close lovers even probably. And they and she's now depressed that she has to continue on without him. She's had him as a companion ever since all of this shit started, you know? So she decides she wants to make a new life now that all this demon stuff is behind her. So she breaks the Kandarian dagger and burns the Necronomicon, and the entire factory to the ground. So the Necronomicon, the Kandarian dagger, uh, goodbye. <laughs> Adios. But um, now she just has no real plan. She just kind of walks down a road until she sees a farm where uh, a cow was giving birth, and she decides to help out the farm girl, uh, you know, to deliver this cow baby as a good Samaritan or whatever. And <laughs> Ash... Pops out of it. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and he, he informs Annie that they're in grave danger and that the Dark Ones are coming. So, uh, 
Although it, it I, I think that was actually genuinely funny that he just came out of a cow's vagina. The cow even treats him like, like nicely, and he's like, "Yeah, thanks for that, by the way." And it's it, it's a little goofy, but it's it's something very Evil Dead in nature, which I appreciated. Um, after after they leave the farm, they discover that there was a massive massive sinkhole that swallowed the rest of the town that they were in. And out of that sinkhole comes a dark one, or uh, Cthulhu, pretty much. It's Cthulhu. Uh, he's, he's, you know, one of those gods of evil from the mirror dimension who's made up entirely of all the darkest desires of the universe. And immediately he kills the farmer, and, and Ash and Annie are on their way. They, they get in the, in the truck, the farmer's truck, and they dip straight to Louisiana because Annie... Her father, at least, has some connections, had some connections in uh, in uh, New Orleans or, yeah, New Orleans, Louisiana. Are those the same thing? Is New Orleans within Louisiana? Am I being uh, crazy? New Orleans? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just had like a, like a stroke. <laughs> so um, goes down to New Orleans in Louisiana. And seeks the help of a local voodoo woman named Miss Jenny, I believe. And uh, when they walk in there, she's immediately like, oh, hell no, you best get the fuck out of here, okay? Uh, the only thing I can offer you to help is this drink. And Annie's like, what's this drink? She's like, well, it'll stop your heart. And, she, and Ash is like, excuse me, that's not what we need to help. And the lady, uh, Miss Jenny, is like, well, there's literally nothing I can do. The power of that dark one is beyond anything we can uh, we can prevent. So uh, I took this 20 minutes ago. <laughs> From there, Annie is like, listen, we really, really need help. We like my father saved you in the past. Is there anything you can do to help? Because we can't let this happen. This is my fault. So they head down to the cellar of this voodoo shop where all of the souls of past voodoo sorcerers are there in jars. And uh, basically they're like, yeah, uh, we can consult with these sorcerers to help us in the battle against the Dark One. Meanwhile, the Dark One is raging through the Carolinas on his way to Louisiana, just destroying everything in his path and absorbing all these human souls into his flesh. And it's insane looking. And although the art in this is very simplistic and there's a lot of shortcuts taken and, and it's not always appealing to look at, uh, the giant dark one Cthulhu monster clearly got a lot of attention paid to, you know, uh, comparatively. So from there, uh, they're like, yes, we finally have hope. So what do we do, Miss Jenny? And Miss Jenny falls dead on the floor. Who would who would have thought, you know? <laughs> but because she fell dead there on top of the jars of souls, she gets possessed by one of them. And, um, and the soul that goes into her is like, oh, this body is poisoning me. I need a better vessel. Uh, I need one with uh, something, a shell of a person, someone with no soul. And Ash is like, yeah, I've been insulted by worse things. And he's like, well, this one's just an idiot. So 
And then, you know, if you remember from the last series, Annie got her soul cleansed from her body. So Annie is also technically living without a soul. So the the sorcerers, uh, this sorcerer in particular, goes into Annie's body. Um, and with the power of that sorcerer, Ash and Annie go to the above the ground. You know, they leave the cellar. And they, uh, they, in the sorcerer witnesses uh, this Cthulhu Dark One monster for the first time, and is just dumbfounded. It's like, oh lord! Like, <laughs> and Ash, um, upon realizing that this single sorcerer can't do anything on his own, runs down into the cellar and then just breaks all the jars of souls and all of these most powerful sorcerers from the last century or whatever, go right into Annie's body. Um, as <laughs> at this point, this, this, this like kind of finale to the series is really earning its place as like a finale. It seems really large scale. There's a giant monster rampaging through, uh, through like the Southeast of the United States. And it seems like the end of the world is upon them. And literally all stocks are being dropped. They introduce this voodoo mechanic, which is similar to the, uh, to the, what is it, Brujo? Yeah, right, the Brujo Especial mechanic uh, that is introduced in, in Ash versus the Evil Dead, which I find interesting. There's a lot of parallel thought I found within these comics and the Ash versus Evil Dead sequel series, even though these comics are supposed to take place immediately after Evil Dead 2, some of the things that they introduce are uh, eerily similar to what would be introduced in Ash vs. Evil Dead. It's especially this whole finale of a massive uh, king of the demons, whatever, rampaging through this uh, middle America, <laughs> these, these like middle, middle America towns, while Ash and his, and his crew, or in this case, Ash and Annie, have to somehow save the world from their little um, their little perches or whatever. Which is interesting because because I think it was well done in Ash vs. Evil Dead because it, it felt really, really large scale. Although in Dark Ones Rising, even though it feels very short, it is just it, it that is in part due to the pace at which I read comics, I guess. But also the fact that these issues themselves are literally short. Like they're half the length of normal comic book issues because they're digital issues and that's just the, that's just the way they're produced. You know what I mean? Um, so from there, Annie regains the, uh, the control of her body after all these souls go into her. Uh, but... The, these like glowing lights, like these red, blue, and green lights start going around her, and they form a giant serpent-like dragon uh, called the Dambala, which I looked up and is actually a real uh, being in voodoo uh, mythology or beliefs, or how, however you would refer to the vernacular of what uh, practi practitioners of voodoo believe in. And uh, it is the being that created the universe within its coils. And, you know, those serpent dragon-like things have many coils on their body. And it is essentially God. <laughs> it created everything 
everything that is good and everything that exists and all this shit and it goes into battle with the massive cthulhu monster which has just been like destroying military planes and and destroying towns and absorbing people in mass so uh so it's it's like this clash of titans in the middle of new orleans louisiana and it's kind of fun to think that this is like this is really gearing up to be like a grand finale you know although the uh previous issues not even no no cradle of the damned wasn't too large scale it was actually remarkably small scale but um uh, beyond dead by dawn featured like this being that ruled over in hell and and this escape of hell and this release of all of the demons and everything it felt relatively large scale compared to anything that happens in the actual film evil dead 2 but this feels larger scale than anything that happens in all of evil dead <laughs> this this p this being of pure hatred and pure evil versus a being of pure good and it's these two literal gods one that created the universe and one that is created from all of the malice in the universe and um and basically this 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 dambala thing um like pseudo defeats it i think is the is the term i guess like it, it uh it it starts fighting it and it starts like winning a little bit like souls start to pour out of it and it claims that it's like listen we you can't defeat us we'll always come back i don't just exist as this one being i i'm not alive evil is immortal souls live on forever we'll always exist in between where you're looking and as he's talking about this, um, a lot of souls start to turn into deadites and everything, including Ashley Joanna Williams, who becomes uh, Deadite Ash. And he, and he goes after Annie, who hides back in the voodoo shop as Ash goes around monologuing as through the voice of deadites or the dark ones or whatever. And uh, Annie devises that she wants to use the axe, like this emergency axe that's in the shop, to chop off Ash's evil hand. And it works. Because <laughs> technically his hand is the thing that was possessed, so I guess by chopping it off, the rest of Ash goes back to normal. Which, I don't know how it works, but it does work for some reason. And simultaneously, Dumbala defeats the Dark One. So Ash becomes human again, and he's confused because he's looking down and he's like, well, damn, this hurts. He cut my some. I guess my hand got cut off. Um, as soon and um, once we, I guess, assume that the dark one is defeated, it remanifests in its original form and just pounds the 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 ground that Ash and and Annie stand on. Essentially, you know. Scr crushing them into a pulp <laughs> and in the darkness Annie monologues in her head if this is the end if this is the last electrical pulses surging through her brain as her body dies and this whole thing but then she opens her eyes and she's in the mirror dimension with Ash what's going on and uh, we're greeted by Rigardi from the last series who puts Annie's soul 
back in her body and uh, informs her that humans aren't ready for the for the end of evil and, and they're not ready to withstand all of this because the humans the malice of humanity is greater than the malice of the dark ones and that maybe in a thousand years humanity will be ready to eradicate this force but for now um, there's no helping it so they're like wait so we never left we've been here in the dark in the mirror dimension this entire time and and regarding does the whole Lovecraftian like our motives are far greater than you can even perceive. Just go home now. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ash looks down and he's like, if that wasn't real, why did I lose my hand? Like, I literally lost my hand. Where, Where is it? You know, what, how did this happen? Uh, without answering, <laughs> they're sent back to their factory where St Ash still, for some reason, uh, is missing his hand and it's still hurting and everything. But uh, because, um, because I guess this is over, they go back to the cat factory. They go back up the elevator, and they hear something. They hear something. Is that incantations? <laughs> and then as the elevator doors open, they find out a group of teenagers in their factory reading aloud the words of the Necronomicon. And at the bottom of the page, it says, the end. <laughs> so we end on a classic Evil Dead cliffhanger uh, in the style of the evil uh, being summoned back onto Earth after they just went through all this trouble to get rid of it. And that's where we leave off. And I think the ending was funny. I found it funny. I I do wonder if the writer had had intended to continue this in some way in the future. Uh, or maybe the writer was in cahoots with the whole uh, Dine and Dash plan that Space Goat Productions eventually did. But uh, I do think it was a nice, neat little ending to this Evil Dead 2 continuation beyond Dead by Dawn thing that this, uh, th this comic book series had going for it. And I thought it was cute. I thought it was a fun read. It obviously wasn't as stimulating or as engaging as the television show Ash vs. Evil Dead because it's just not the same medium and it's not the same uh, quality and canon and ever, all that jazz as uh, as that television show was. And it doesn't have the same kind of uh, factor to it where it's, where it's um, th that satisfactory factor to it, I guess. But it was still very fun to read and it's always fun to find new content on Evil Dead 2. Because I, 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 I do talk shit at this point about Evil Dead 2. I do love it, you know. It, I, it becomes increasingly hard for me to, to, to watch it just because of repetition, because of the uh, literal dictionary definition insanity of this podcast by its very nature. But I, I, I do got to say, I, it is still very engaging to to explore Evil Dead 2 in new ways, in ways that I haven't before. So that being said, I did really enjoy these comic books. And that also being said, I should probably talk about today's groovy time. Groovy. So today's groovy time was special because um, it, it wasn't, you know? <laughs> um, as I start to watch these over and over and over and I start reading these comics where they start to 
in order to get fans to engage with them, they want to bring up a lot of tropes and a lot of things that we remember, like Ash saying groovy or certain things. That's one thing I respect about this uh, series in particular, uh, the Frank Hanna written comic books, is that they aren't cashing in or... Now, okay, well, uh, let's rephrase that. Um, he isn't trying to capitalize on nostalgia within the story. That being said, obviously the company itself was looking to capitalize on literal nostalgia and cash in on fans eager for more Evil Dead 2 content. But the story in particular is so um, unique, I guess, from something you would expect to be like fan service. It really does tell its own story, introduce new concepts. It really does forge its own path and have its very distinct own identity and takes risks with the characters, you know? And it's not something I would have expected. It's honestly, uh, it goes that, that same thing goes for Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, a television show, 30 years on, I mean, come on, that seems a little cash-grabby, nostalgia, baiting, kind of cashing in on fans' expectations. Is it just going to be a lot of fan service and hokey retreads and blah, blah, blah? And it really wasn't, and that's why that show is so great. And that's why I think these comics are actually really enjoyable uh, compared to some of the Army of Darkness comics I read in the years past. I think some of the Army of Darkness comics can be really, really good, but some of them can just be really boring. And that's a trait of the times. You know, the mid-2000s had a lot of boring, lengthy, word wordy comics with uh, not the greatest art in that whole nine yards. But in this case, they, they really hit the nail on the head with what they were doing, you know? The series is exactly what it should be. It's a continuation. It is fresh. It doesn't invade on what is canon. So you can technically take everything, that all the events that happen within the story at, at face value, you know? Which is not something most spin-off sequel comics have going for them. And I just respect that, you know? And, uh, and even though these comics do... Uh, I guess the beginning of this tangent started on them uh, kind of nostalgia baiting. And, you know, a lot of these comics, in order to make the characters recognizable, just call back a lot. Uh, and even though this this particular series doesn't do it that much, um, I have started reading the comics I wanted to talk about tomorrow. I guess that's what I, that's what I really mean. I started reading the Revenge line of Evil Dead 2 comics. And because those are short and, like, a uh, little... Uh, bottle episodes of Ashes Williams' adventures. Uh, they do really try to cash in on that that callback, that nostalgia that we have. So Ash says groovy, and they recreate the arm chopping off scene, and they, they do a lot of callbacks. And I guess because of that, it makes it seem a little bit less... Um, a little bit less... I, I don't know what the... A little bit less special. And maybe it's just because of my oversaturation of Evil Dead 2 content. If I were reading these comics independently, more spaced out, not all in one sitting, not doing a podcast about it, maybe I would not see the callbacks or the nostalgia and stuff like that in that light. Maybe I would actually genuinely enjoy it a lot more. But because I'm reading them in such succession, because I'm so saturated with this Evil Dead 2 content, because I'm watching this movie every day, because I'm talking about this movie multiple times every single day, 
it, it has really it has reached a point where it feels less special. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, I do recommend these comics to you. Again, they're really, really, really hard to find to purchase anywhere. And you can't buy them from the publisher because the publisher has uh, disappeared. So uh, however you want to go about reading these comics, I do recommend them if you're a fan of Evil Dead. They aren't the best comics ever written, but they are fun read. They are very brisk. I read, I could have read all three of these in one day but I did space it out for this podcast. So, yeah, that's all I really have to say. I've reached the end of my uh, self-imposed time limit on this podcast. So if you want to listen to more of my content or see the memes that I create or my films or anything like that, you can go over to my Instagram at DCRFilms. If you want to see the stuff that I find funny and or interesting, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Reguino. And if you want to visit the hub for this podcast to find if we're on your podcasting app of choice, you can go to anchor.fm slash dead by Danny. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast right there or hit any of the links on there to our, uh, to external pages or platforms or anything of your choice. Again, that's anchor.fm slash dead by Danny. And as always, I always appreciate it if you were to share this podcast with your friends and tell them to come get some and swallow this podcast. Thank you, and I will see you tomorrow.